back with episode 10 of Raise Your Glass, a podcast celebrating the best local food and beverage culture Kansas City has to offer. Today, we raise a glass to composting. We sat down with Lydia Gibson, who happens to be Ripple's sourcing manager, but also has a background and passion for all things composting. If you're an avid composter or just looking to get started, Lydia has a wealth of knowledge to share. She shares steps you can take to start composting, tips on how to be successful with your at-home compost pile, and information on why composting is important to our planet. Welcome to the Raise Your Glass podcast. This is Michelle Goth from Ripple Glass, and I'm here today with Lydia Gibson, who is a Ripple Glass employee and a composting expert. Welcome, Lydia. Hey there. Happy to be here with you, Michelle. I'm happy to have you. So um, today we thought we would do something a little bit different because in the office we've all been talking about what else we can do at home to reduce our waste. And so one of the things that we've been working on as a team is all beginning to compost at home. And Lydia, as our uh, in-house expert on composting, has been incredibly helpful in getting us all started. And so we thought that we would go over just the basics of composting and how to get started with her today. So Lydia, what is your background in composting? How'd you get started in it? So I am the granddaughter of Kansas farmers. So I've always grown up knowing that there was no way. And both my mom and my dad were avid gardeners. I always grew up having fresh tomatoes, fresh herbs out of the garden. And so when I got the opportunity to have a little garden plot of my own, I jumped on it. And about the same time, I had the opportunity to work on a waste audit or a waste characterization study for Boulevard Brewing Company, where we dug through about a half a week's worth of trash at the brewery to try to figure out what the brewery could do to reduce its waste and get as close to zero waste as possible. One of the big things we discovered was about two-thirds of the waste that was going into the dumpsters at the brewery was actually food waste or compostable. And that was coming in from catering, from special events in their spaces, and for some of the production that they were doing. Most of the spent grain from the brewery does go to animal feed, but it was really those event spaces that were generating an enormous amount of food waste. And so seeing that, I was inspired to work on events around Kansas City and try to reduce the amount of waste that we generate. And a huge portion of that is compost. And it really made the connection for me between what we throw away and what we can use in that garbage can to create soil, to create a great soil amendment to improve our ground instead of putting it in the landfill. So it's it's fascinating. One, it's fascinating to me that all roads lead to Boulevard. I feel like that's <laughs> the truth in Kansas City a lot of times. You know, with Ripple, of course, we were founded by Boulevard, and you got your start or your spark of inspiration from a project that they had undertook. That you know, of course, a lot of companies don't go that far in trying to reduce their waste. You know, to essentially nothing, which they've done. So. Yeah, they've really been the nexus. You know, the mentality coming out of the brewery and the founders of the brewery and John McDonald of not being wasteful really carries over to all aspects of the business and hence, you know, Ripple being here out of that same mentality. And so it extends across the board and it really is an inspiration for me personally and also professionally. Sure. And so, you know, at Ripple, we 
really focus on is what we're doing good for the community? Is what we're doing good for Kansas City? You know, we can answer that question for glass. We know that recycling glass you know, extends the life of our landfills, keeps our air cleaner, uh, it creates jobs, it's good for our economy locally. Does that apply to compost as well, do you think? So one of the most beautiful things about glass and compost is they do a lot of similar things. They're both very much a regional material. So when we keep food out of the landfill, we're avoiding greenhouse gas emissions. When that food goes into that trash truck and gets dumped in a hole, when it decomposes, it releases greenhouse gases, predominantly methane, which is way more potent than carbon dioxide in our atmosphere. And so if we can keep that food waste out of the landfill, we can avoid most of the emissions associated with the decomposition of that food. I mean, additionally, besides that, you know, there's a lot of time, resources, effort, energy put into growing food and creating delicious food. And so if we can recover some of that energy, some of those resources, some of that water in the form of compost, it makes a huge impact on our broader environment. But it also, again, just like Ripple does, creates the jobs locally, creates a locally created product that benefits our environment and creates a better community for us. Right. So you touched on it a little bit, but can you talk about really the difference between, okay, right now, let's say I'm putting my food scraps in the trash, it's going to the landfill, versus I am composting in the backyard. What happened, like on a chemical level, how, how is that different? Yeah, yeah. So when your food waste goes into the landfill, it's going to sit there and it's just going to rot. And as it does that, it releases gases. Now... The same thing is gonna happen when you put it in your backyard, but when you put it in a compost pile, what starts to happen is there are millions and billions of little microorganisms that chow down on that food, and instead of it just getting released into the atmosphere and off-gassed, those microorganisms chow down and they actually convert some of that energy, the nutrients, those molecules, into good things that feed our soil. Instead of just letting them go poof up in the air, they actually get locked into your compost that can then be used in your gardens, on your lawns, and in your landscaping projects. So it really is a movement of that energy to somewhere in the ground where it gets locked in there forever versus putting it back into the cycle of life where it can help grow new things. Right, and one thing you told me that really stuck with me is that, you know, all of the organisms that live in the ground, they're just like us. They like rich, good food, yeah, which they compost love a, is, right? They love a buffet of all the good stuff. Right. And they can't survive, you know, they can't survive on weak, you know, non-nutritious things and compost is full of all the nutrition that they need. Right. Uh, and, and then also, you know, I think a lot about kind of just from a very high level all of these things came from the ground, so why wouldn't we put it back into it? You know, Right. That. It's the movement towards a more circular model in our economy and in our life. And when you put something in the trash can and it gets into the landfill, that's the end of the story. That's all she wrote. It's never leaving. It's never going any further. That's the end. When you put it in your backyard compost pile or when you take it to a commercial composter or a local farmer, you're giving that halfway rotten tomato or not so hot top of a strawberry another opportunity a second chance to be made into something new to let that life be part of creating new life and I think that's something that really comes you know hits home with me 
and the connection with Ripple is that at Ripple we give glass a second chance. And so I love doing the same thing with that rotten tomato or that not so zesty head of lettuce that may have gotten shoved in the back of your refrigerator. You gotta give it a second chance. Both of these things are infinitely recyclable. You can cycle nutrients in the natural world over and over again, just like you can glass. Right. So listening to this, let's say somebody says, all right, I'm willing to give composting a try at home. How would they even get started with this? Super easy. There's a couple options. The first thing I would recommend is be realistic about what you can and can't do. You know, if you're not somebody that wants to spend some time putting some grass clippings or some of your leaves that you raked out into your, from your lawn into your backyard, that's okay. There are companies out there in Kansas City that will pick up for you. There are folks that will take that to a commercial composter here in town and get that composted for you. That's a really super easy option, super convenient. But if you're a little bit more outdoorsy, kind of a weekend warrior, you can set up a just a pile, a couple bins. There's a lot of commercially available products at your local hardware store, your big box stores. There's Amazon. So many. Yep. Amazon, Craigslist, somebody out on the corner trolling down, you know, your street on a garage sale day. There's a lot of opportunities. And it really is as simple as even if you don't want to invest in a structure, a container, you can literally just pile it mm -hmm. up. Compost happens. If you put it together, you give it good air, good water, a little bit of attention, it's going to compost. It's going to happen. So if someone gets started, what types of things should they be composting at home? So a good place to start is your fruit and vegetable scraps. So the tops of your carrots, the tops of, as I mentioned, your strawberries, any of your scraps, your trimmings, Eggshells are great. I recommend crushing them up a little bit. Anything that's not a meat or cheese or super fatty. So as we're doing this in our backyard, we don't want anything that's going to attract critters. We don't want anything that's going to be super ucky, gucky, yucky. So just think about something that you would put in a salad. Mm -hmm. If it's something you would put in a salad, you can put it in your compost pile. And what about other things that people should not be putting in? Talking about meat, cheese, is there anything else to stay away from? Yeah, you definitely want to stay away from things like, you know, should you have cats or dogs? Those droppings, that kind of waste definitely needs to stay out. Any poo of an omnivore, something that eats meat, is not what you want to put in there. Um, but things that are not from the earth, anything that is not organic, you know, I would stay away from. Personally, I would stay away from your white paper towels and things. Those things are just designed to be strong and take a lot of time to decompose. So just keep it easy, keep it simple. It, I found it really interesting when we were talking about this in the office that you know you, you wanna stay away from any, like you said, omnivore, carnivore, any any droppings from animals, you know, our pets mostly, yep. um, that do eat meat because essentially they have the ability to pass through with parasites or other yeah, issues. Nasty bugs that can get right. you sick, can get other people sick. It just and it attracts, you know, other critters that are not our wanted guests in our backyards and our right. homes. Right. So um, if you are getting started, you're working in your kitchen, what does that workflow look like when you're cooking? What what's your recommendation on how to get the food scraps from the kitchen and then out to yeah, I like to use the analogy of having like a shuttle and a mothership. 
So my compost bin in the backyard is going to be my mothership, and I need to have a shuttle to get that compost out there. And there's a lot of different ways to use that shuttle. Sometimes I'll just use a small little prep bowl. Sometimes I'll use a specially designed kitchen composter that'll have a nice little carbon filter to neutralize odors. Sometimes I just use a bucket. I use whatever's handy. Um, the main thing is to make sure that you've got something accessible. It doesn't have to be fancy. It just needs to do the job of getting those scraps to your mothership location, whether it's your pail to go out for a curbside collection or whether it's in your backyard pile or in your backyard tumbler, whatever is easiest for you. Right, and I know our, our marketing manager, Sarah, uses Compost Collective for I think every other week curbside pickup and so they gave her a container to use that has like a carbon filter in it to keep the stink away and I think that's working really well for her. I know that I have more kind of the brush pile approach um, in my backyard because we do have a pretty big yard that's wooded Um, and I'm more prone to doing just a plain old like you know plastic bowl that I throw scraps in and take it out immediately so I'm not necessarily like hoarding it in my kitchen. I'm usually taking it out while I clean dishes and things like that and that works good for me yeah and if you're doing that what I recommend and especially for somebody who's doing it in their backyard or themselves you know to make that go a little bit faster when it does make it out to your backyard pile give things a little extra chop you know the microorganisms and all of those critters that actually break down that food waste like to have small pieces more service area to eat so my tip for doing your at-home composting is to give all of your food waste just a little extra chop Just set the table for all your friends out there that are going to be doing work for you. Make it easier for them. And should you have a situation where maybe you've got guests coming over or you can't quite get out to that backyard pile, you can always stick it in the freezer or in the refrigerator. That's going to slow the decomposition. It's not going to stink. It'll buy you some time, too. Right. And that makes good sense because everything's breaking breaking back down. And so if you have an enormous carrot top and you don't give it an extra couple chops, then... Yeah, it's just going to take a long, long time. Right. So when you see folks start to compost, what are some common mistakes that you see them make? So you almost got to think of a compost, backyard compost pile, like its own living like plant, like it's your house plant. It's got to have good, clean air and enough moisture. So the most common problems I'll see is piles that are getting too wet and too soppy. You've just mowed your lawn, you've bagged your clippings, and you pile those in, and then it starts to really stink and really rot. What's happened there is that you've got too much rich material, too many what I call cakes and cookies in the pile, the stuff that really overloads those microorganisms and make them really go to town and then just get overloaded and things get soppy. They use up all the oxygen, they use up all the moisture, things just get goopy. So you want to try to keep it nice and balanced, have enough air in the pile. Conversely, sometimes, particularly in the wintertime, things get too dry. They also need to have a moist enough environment and enough water. They don't want to get dehydrated. They're trying to do their work. They don't want to be short on water. So making sure your pile is just moist enough to keep those organisms going is also critical. So when you say add air, you're really just talking about taking like a rake or some sort of a pitchfork and turning it over, right? Precisely. That's just turning it over, flipping it over, just flopping the bottom of the pile to the top of the pile, just kind of rustling up, getting some little gaps in the pile, just moving it around. Right. And same thing on the moisture. How would you check to make sure that something is moist enough. My best recommendation is be a little bit brave, get in there, 
grab a little handful of that compost that you're working on and give it a squeeze in your hand. So what you're looking for is not that you've got streams of water running down your knuckles, but you want just the smallest little bead to come out from in between your fingers. And that's going to tell you you've got your moisture just perfect. Okay. So you want just a little bit of water to come forth. Yeah. But not... Yep, just like a not damp a sponge, not a soppy sponge, not a dry sponge, mm-hmm. a damp sponge. Okay. I think that's doable. I think it is, too. <laughs> I think that actually helps me for my mulch pile I basically have in my backyard. Um, so we do have commercial composting options here in Kansas City. Uh, for folks that maybe don't want to do things in their backyard but want to either drop it off at these facilities or have it picked up from the curb like um, our teammate Sarah does. Can you talk about what their facilities look like and what they do there? So those facilities are large multi-acre permitted facilities that combine brushy waste and yard waste that may also be picked up by the curb by a city or a private company with that food waste. So their operations reach a size that they can handle things that we typically can't in our backyard. So if you get a little bit confused when you join the compost collective and you get a list of what you can and can't include and so you suddenly see, well, I can include meat and cheeses here, but I've always been told I can't do that in the backyard. Why is that so? It's well because they're very tightly controlling their temperature, monitoring and testing for any ucky gucky disease causing bacteria pathogens they're making sure those piles get really toasty so that all the bad things are killed in that process and that's not something we can typically do in our backyard piles so it's a little bit different there sure and so what are those facilities typically doing once it's technically compost and ready to go where does where does it go after that yeah when it's all ready to go it can be used for a myriad of different things it can be used as a soil amendment for top dressing in lawns it can be used as a potting mix to start things it's even used in specialty engineered soil blends for new construction projects it can be used for retention of both soil and water and it's just generally something that feeds the soil and the ground beneath us Compost at its heart is organic matter, and organic matter is what makes the soil alive, and that's what fuels what is really the living crust of our planet. It's really only two or three inches of topsoil that separate us from life or death, and compost is what feeds that. That healthy soil provides the food and the resources we need to sustain our communities, our families, our bodies for good health, And without that, we're not here. It's critical to the life on the planet. And I love that you started by describing yourself as the granddaughter of Kansas farmers. I'm the granddaughter of Missouri farmers. And so, you know, understanding the richness and quality of the soil is something that I definitely knew about growing up. We always had compost piles at home. And I think that that, you know, coming from that background, you really get it and you live it and you understand that you can't essentially just drain the soil of nutrients without adding things back in. And ideally you're adding in natural things, right? You get that intrinsic connection we have to the ground and the life that that gives us. And I think that's something that composting really gives us the opportunity and the gateway to do. 
you know, it gives you an opportunity to think about the people and the land and the ground that created the food that's in your hand and that nourishes you and sustains you and gives you an opportunity to take direct action to contribute to the continuance of that and the maintenance of that system to keep us all going. And I think there's very few things in life that we get to have such a direct connection with the things that sustain us. And I think compost gives us that gateway for that. So one thing we're really focused at at Ripple Glass is you know, our ability to reduce greenhouse gases, um, improve the natural environment here in Kansas City, since most of the glass that we make or the recycled glass that we convert is actually used for manufacturing here in Kansas City. Do you think there are any parallels there to composting? Absolutely. It is the strongest parallel that I've found between glass and compost, the fact that both things are highly regional. Everything that we do with glass in Kansas City stays in Kansas City and those impacts stay in Kansas City. The same thing with compost. It's another heavy material that can't move very far, so its impacts stay local. So when we recycle a ton of glass, we're averting another ton of greenhouse gases. And likewise with compost, when it is treated in a facility and made into something that can be used as a soil amendment and not just thrown in the landfill, you're avoiding those greenhouse gases released in its decomposition process and converting that into something that actually, believe it or not, can help sequester carbon in the soil. So there's preliminary research to indicate that by increasing soil health and the soil's capacity to grow deep and rich root systems and thereby allowing plants to suck more carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere, that soil can be one of the greatest carbon sinks that we have and the most readily available and the most low-tech possible you can imagine. We don't need fancy carbon sequestration you know, systems and pumping it under miles and miles underground. We just have to care for the ground underneath our feet to be able to increase our capacity to pull that carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere and put it down beneath our feet. So in a nutshell, richer, stronger soil grows stronger plants with stronger root systems that can effectively clean our air. You got it. And strong, That's wild. And stronger, stronger, more delicious plants that can be canned into jams and jellies that get packaged in glass and sold at your farmer's market. You know, all of the best things in life, you know, all of your salsas, your pickles, your ferments, your wine, your beer, they're all packaged in glass. All of the best things come in glass. You know, and there's a, there's a reason for that. It's because when we take the time and the effort to grow things that we care about, we want them to stay good. We want them to stay fresh. We want to preserve them. And glass is the container that we do that with. That's so true. And I think, you know, you think that glass is a higher quality package just because of how it looks and it feels. But essentially, it doesn't allow any air in, so it's perfectly preserved. Exactly. And that's why I love it. So Yeah. And that's where the perfect connection between my love of compost and growing good food and my love of working for Ripple Glass comes from. So for Kansas City Composting, I want to give a shout out to primarily Missouri Organic. They are our only permitted food waste composter in the Kansas City area. They've been working for over 25 years in the Kansas City metro to create high quality compost. And they are 
working with the compost collective that Sarah mentioned for residential pickup. They're also working with Kansas City Can Compost, Casey Can Compost, a new service designed to create meaningful employment through compost collection in Kansas City. And another big shout out to Herbivore Urban Farm, who is one of the leaders in doing small-scale on-farm composting in Kansas City and has worked with a handful of those organizations I mentioned before. Well, Lydia, thank you for joining us today. We've learned a ton. I hope that we've inspired some of you listening to give it a go and try composting at home or maybe check out one of the services that picks it up. Uh, We will leave some links and some information in the show notes in case you want to learn more. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for the opportunity. Hope you all stay rotten. If you're ready to start a compost pile in your backyard or are interested in some of the curbside compost pickup services Lydia mentioned, we've included a few helpful links in the show notes. If you need help finding the show notes in Apple Podcasts, just swipe up from the player screen. Or you can always go to raiseyourglass.fireside.fm slash 10 for episode 10, where you can find links and notes on our guests. This podcast is made possible by Rippleglass. Kansas City's hometown glass recycler. If you live in Kansas City, you've probably seen our big purple bins around town. That's where you could drop off all your glass containers so we can save them from the landfill and keep Kansas City beautiful. If you're already a glass recycler, thank you, you're awesome. If you haven't started recycling your glass yet, check out rippleglass.com to find all the bins closest to you. We hope you're enjoying the podcast, and if you love Kansas City culture as much as we do, drop us a line at info at rippleglass.com and tell us who we should spotlight in a future episode.